5: In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 5 Eastern, 12 to 2 Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at FoxSportsRadio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio, live from the 123rd U.S. Open. I remember my first U.S. Open. It was back in Art 5. This show is brought to you, uh, this show is broadcasting live from the com studios. com, the way, <laughs> we'll help you get there. Unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, over 10,000 recommended sellers. TireWrite.com, the way tire buying should be. Why are you laughing at me, Dan? Because it's the
4: 1905 US Open that you are you are doing, not the 2005. The I ought, said aut 5 Yeah, yes. Yes, yes, yep. yes, Art
1: Art 5 Art. 5 Yes, do people still use the word ought? I don't know, but old people use the word ought. We're here at the L.A. Country Club, which I got to tell you, like, here's how my brain works. 300 acres in the middle of West Los Angeles. Do you know how valuable just any spot Mm. of this land is? Yeah. I'm going to give you a a guess here, a relative guess, a relative guess. Um, a quarter acre of land to build a home on is worth, at minimum, $2 million. Okay, that's, that's about, again, there's a lot of, th- let's just say a quarter acre is worth $2 million. So that means an acre is worth $8 million. Right? Granted, there would be some development fees and whatever that would make it not as cost effective to charge that rate. But if we just say roughly $8 million an acre, 300 acres, that's a two point four billion dollar property. That's insane. I mean, you could make the case that outside of uh, outside of um, uh, Central Park, they're playing on the most valuable piece of property where that houses don't exist and park in America. Right? Yes, you know. I mean, it's really and it's an incredible course. And a really cool setting. And then, you know, you go to the old stories of the 20s and people. And then Lionel Richie's house is, like, overlooking one of the holes is amazing. You're like, dude, Lionel Richie, that's amazing. That guy killed it, not just in life, but in real estate. Holy cow, that thing's worth a crazy amount of money. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, we have the United States Open Golf Championship, which at this moment, at this moment, Ricky Fowler, and uh, Scotty Scheffler are up atop the leaderboard. Now, it's really important to mention, half, the, half of them haven't gone off. It's also important to mention it rained overnight, so with fairly wide greens, it's going to be, we're going to have lower scores than you'd think right now than you traditionally have at a U.S. Open. But uh, if you can keep the big names at the top at the U.S. Open, in Los Angeles, it feels like we're set for a great weekend. All right, uh, Buyer, give me, like, when you walk into this place as a golf guy, a golf aficionado, what 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 what, what buzzes and rings through your brain?
4: Yeah, well, right now, what's crazy and just taking a look at the leaderboard is that Ricky Fowler is the top of the leaderboard and add a number that some thought would maybe be the, the winning score of the week, six under par. We didn't know what the conditions were going to play, and even Rory McIlroy had said that he had no idea what the winning score would be not only just because we don't know much about the course because it hasn't hosted a U.S. Open previously and there's so little known about it just because it's been so private but we didn't know conditions wise. We expected to get more difficult as the the weekend unfolds. No rain expected but it was a cloudy day. We even had some mist coming in. May make things shorter and right now you're seeing some pretty good scores out there. You got a 68 already in the clubhouse, a couple of 69s and now Ricky Fowler he would be the entire story if he keeps this up. There would be be a great story to follow, but the fact that Ricky Fowler is at six under and Xander Schauffele is one shot back at five under, um, I think is a little surprising. I thought we'd see two and three under par, not five and six on day one. And and wouldn't it be interesting if Ricky Fowler, a guy who
1: uh, obviously I know well, you know well, from, as an Oklahoma State guy, mm-hmm. but also Ricky Fowler is the guy who he's kind of the last of those the golf dudes that you're waiting to win a major. I know he won the players a couple of years ago and played incredibly well, but he's been a, when is Ricky Fowler going to win a major for the longest
4: time, right? That's been a, what, six, seven years we've we been asking yeah, question. Yeah, maybe even longer than yeah. that, to be honest with you. Maybe even a decade. And in fact, it's gone on so long, I don't even know if he's in that conversation anymore. Correct. You know, because we like just... The, the, the best player to not win a major conversation? Yes, yes. And... Uh, there, You could put a graphic up, and I think that there are a bunch of players that you would put ahead of Ricky Fowler. And this is a guy, gosh, eight or nine years ago, I think finished top five in all four majors in, a, in the same year. And had a bit of a dip in his career. But yeah, we, he was not the Ricky Fowler as he was 10 years ago. But uh, maybe the Ricky Fowler 10 years ago is showing up today. All right, so we're at the U.S. Open, and uh, we've been asked, by the way,
1: to speak in hushed tones. So maybe mm-hmm. the rest of the show we'll discuss like this. Dan I think come. the, the exact instruction. Bola- when, when we bring in Monsi Bolaños, we'll go to Monsi Bolaños at the, at the 18th hole.
6: Uh, but, uh, I think the exact instruction, by the way, was just keep the yelling to a minimum. So I think it's just like regular, you know.
1: We've voice. been at the U.S. Open. This is like fifth time. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. This is a quieter kind of setting. When we were out at, uh, what was the one, uh, Shinnecock? Yep. That was a little bit more lively of a press room and a kind of sort of different setup. Maybe the tents, the tents were a little different. I do think different. Doug
4: can get a little loud. Yeah, I know I'm loud. Th- yeah, that can happen. I'm loud, there's no question. And there's a smaller contingent. If you've noticed, and, and I still think there's, there's COVID and there's uh, budgets. Um, that's why you see a smaller media center than what we saw, say, five years ago at Shinnecock. A smaller media center. It's still gathering. big. It's still sizable. It's
1: still sizable. It's, it's still large. We're going to speak. But you oh, notice, like
4: the BBC's not here. The BBC's like, yeah, not here. They're not here. The BBC is missing. they broadcast here from they for years. Not perform well in the first.
1: Um, so this one, this this one uh, is interesting. So we have the U.S. Open. We'll be here. We'll be talking about it. It's interesting. Um, the only other thing kind of going on in sports is all the trade speculation in the NBA. And there's a lot of interesting parts. And and you heard Monsi played for us at the top of the hour, uh, Jokic saying like this is the greatest day of his life and he's now stayed for the the parade and he's partying. But the, the, the truth is that um, the NBA has the NFL's kind of followed suit, kings of the off season, right? What used to be the hot stove league in baseball, which was what we waited for, right? The off season of baseball was awesome. That's kind of gone the way of the Dodo, and now the NBA is. But I, I got to be honest with you guys. Like, I'm at a level of annoyance with the, you know, this guy wants to go to Miami. And this guy, you know, like, uh, trade speculation because the salaries work or a guy would like to play in a cool city, that does nothing for me. Just call me when they're actually negotiating and let me know what the package is. Because anything else, you know, it's, it's uh, buyer. you said this. Who says no? Well, the other team (laughs) says no. Teams don't. This is. And this is what I said with Cowherd when he was talking about LeBron to the Warriors. Mm -hmm. Like, the Warriors aren't going to go, like, hell, hey. I mean, the Lakers aren't going to go, like, hey, look, we have our most prized asset, a guy who's the all time lean scorer in the history of the NBA. His son plays down the street, his other son plays uh, down another freeway. Um, we're going to hand them to the Warriors so they might have a chance at another championship. And now, hey, we'll take as little back in return as possible. Like, all of that is dumb-dumb talk. N- not, I'm not calling Colin a dumb-dumb, but just, like, we get into this place where I- I'm, we're like two days in, and I'm already I- I- I'm struggling with the trade talk of the specula- speculatory trade talk.
4: I also have a problem with it because I don't think that we are analyzing what the NBA is right now. And it's, it's a league that is not the league that it was five years ago when you just rush out and get the, the best player. Look at the teams with the draft picks. The absurd amount of draft picks that are owned by the Oklahoma City Thunder. The multiple draft picks that are owned by the Utah Jazz. That are owned by the Houston Rockets. Are any of those teams taking those picks to try to acquire Bradley Beal or try to acquire Damian Lillard? No, they're not. And... It's teams that are strapped for picks that are almost desperate, and I just I don't think that I don't think the NBA is now and how you win is like it was five years ago, and I think people need to look at that in the NBA.
1: I, it's a great point. Let me let me I'll push back only on the the, the draft pick trade speculation because what I think most people think will happen is you'll wrangle in Oklahoma City or Houston, whatever, with their picks as the third team to kind of make it all make sense, right? But where are, where are, the, where are the Thunder in their growth? Are the th- right, because the Thunder, last year the, the idea was they, people thought the Thunder would take on a couple of bad contracts just to push them over because the salary cap, you have to have a floor, Four. not just a yeah. ceiling, right? But that's because they were thought they were going to be an abject disaster for another year without Chet Holmgren. Like, here they are now, kind of a playoff team, and they didn't have Chet. They're pretty good. They're maybe, like, a year away and a piece away from being a challenger or at least talked about, right? Like, Shea Gil's Alexander is a dude. Let's see where Chet is. And they have some, they have some other dudes. So I, but, but here's the point that you're right about. The NBA is not what it was five years ago, and proof is in the pudding in Phoenix. Like, you just you can't build a team with two dudes. You couldn't do it in Brooklyn with, with, with three dudes. And look at, th- they haven't won all the championships, but how the Warriors initially built their championship roster, how the Bucks built their championship roster, how the, the, the Nuggets built their championship roster. Had they added in pieces? Of course. Aaron Gordon was not drafted by the Nuggets. But Murray was. Jokic was, right? Um, Christian Brown. Christian Brown was. Hey, you look at the Bucks. And Drew Holiday obviously has been well traveled, but most of the Bucks were uh, many of the Bucks were yes. drafted by the Bucks. Giannis is the only one, right? So th- then you go but again, look at the Warriors and how they how they were built. And and again, it doesn't mean and we there's a new CBA. So how's that going to affect things when guys make so much money that you can't possibly move them or they can't demand out of a place because
4: of this new contract but doesn't oklahoma city because when durant had requested the trade last offseason talk about a way to reshape your legacy kevin durant goes back to okc rights is wrong is the now king piece next to sga next to josh giddy chet holm allows like they had the ammunition And it wouldn't have made an enormous dent into what they are draft pick-wise. And there was zero conversation. It's only teams who are strapped. Like, well, the Lakers have two first-round picks that they could trade, or what could the Heat? It's just the point of of, of teams that actually have the ability to make those deals for those players, to satisfy for those teams, are unwilling to bring these players in. And I think Oklahoma Oklahoma City would extremely benefit – I think, from an addition of one of those players to go along with everything else that they now have. Yes. And they're unwilling to do so.
1: Yes, but not yet. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit of a timing thing, right? Cause, and and uh, obviously with Kevin Durant specifically, right? I, like, would he go back there? Would it all work? Like, yes, it could be a great thing. It could be a great yeah. thing. Okay? But again, like, I don't know his egos, their egos, how that all works. But I, I would I would say this: it's also a timing thing, right? If he's there this coming year, maybe. The next year, yeah, that that one I can I, I could see. Sure. Right? You don't add that piece until you're really really close. But then the thought is like, if you add that piece, is it like Golden State where, yeah, you win, but you end up shortening your window because you had to get rid of so many. And that's where I'm. T- I know you're talking about the draft picks. Yeah, c- come into mind. So the the whole thing is very very interesting and the evolving times, right? You don't want to chase. A moving target. I, I bring this up often when talking about Oklahoma City, right? Oklahoma City, when they trade away James Harden, one of the reasons they felt like they couldn't give James Harden the max at that time was they had Serge Ibaka under contract. And you're like, well, you have Serge Ibaka, and I think it was Steven Adams at the time. And you're like, why does that matter? Well, at the time, the two best teams in the West were the Lakers and the Spurs, and they played with two big guys, right? That's no longer the case, so now you had to chase after, how do we beat the Warriors? In order to beat the Warriors, you had to figure out your small ball lineup. Now does that change with the Nuggets? Mm-hmm. Right? It's really, that, that part to it is interesting. Um, but I think, Dan, you, you nailed it, is that the NBA is different now than it was previously. I think it's not just in how you build a roster and in those teams that have all those, I mean, the Rockets and the Thunder with the number of picks is just ridiculous. Right. Like the the, I don't know if people know that the Thunder trade away two picks in the next two years last week during the finals to the Nuggets. And like it does nothing to the the, the boatload of picks that they have. Um, But also the new CBA is people believe that this is going to stop the uh, the the outsourcing of stars to the to the. To the big city clubs, right? That's the big thing is you had all of these teams in the smaller markets like, hey, what the hell, man? Like, we draft a guy, we give a guy a big contract, and then the second he he wants out, he just demands out, and we have to acquiesce and take some draft picks and start the whole thing all over again. They want to hold on to their stars and their assets, but then you get stuck with the, do I really, like, I mean, even the Celtics is a big name, do I really want to give Jalen Brown $250 million? Like, is he that good? And he can't dribble his left hand. So, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm fascinated by this offseason and what it means for the future of the NBA. This show is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place coming up. Uh, all your protection in one place. Uh, bundle and save at Progressive.com. All right. Coming up next, live from the Tyrak.com studios. What happened to the Bills this week? Really weird. Really weird. Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 5 Eastern, 12 to Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. There are some things that are too
0: good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. and stan we do over three whole episodes of our podcast becoming an icon
9: we're reminiscing as lifelong selena fans sharing hot takes and telling her story listen to becoming an icon on america's number one podcast network iheart open your free iheart app and search becoming an icon
8: nfl total access the podcast is getting you ready for the 2024 nfl draft
1: Approach boost your game with Chalk, the reigning champion of natural men's health. Max out your testosterone energy focus with Chalk's male vitality stack. Visit choq.com. Today you just go Doug for 35% off any subscription for life. We roll on here. We're live at the U.S. Open. L.A. Country Club. Dan's a member.
4: <laughs> Dan would love to be a member, but he's not. What do you think the buy-in for a membership is here? Oh, boy. You know, a lot of times that's the... The the dues aren't the killer, right? Um, it's the the buy in.
1: And then is it a stock membership, or are you just you know?
4: Yeah, um, I mean it's six figures. Um, I don't know. I would I would say probably one fifty. Smooth one fifty. What would that be like to that write would be the my check guess? For I could be completely off, but that's what I, that's what I would think for the
1: right be. to join for the right to pay monthly fees for the right to play golf. Right?
6: <laughs> Crazy, right? And uh, you're paying for each round, right? No. No. Oh, okay. That's all inclusive. No. Okay,
1: good. I mean, I don't know all inclusive, but it probably there's probably a food and drink uh, uh I don't know what the term is. I forget what the term is, right? Like you you get like I don't know, $1,000 of food and drink for the month, or whatever, you know. And then, you know, with the caddies, you got to tip the caddies and all those stuff. Got to tip the caddies. But uh yeah, got got to tip the caddies. Good. Put on the foil. Do it before every game. Uh, the the bills have had a weird mandatory minicamp, right? I mean, just a weird week in Buffalo. Remember, Stephon Diggs showed up, and then he disappeared, and then he was around but not performing. Here's Sean McDermott, the head coach. Also, by the way, Sean McDermott taking over as defensive coordinator on Stephon Diggs. Physical on time.
10: Steph reported yesterday, Tuesday, and uh reported for meetings at which time um, we had a good conversation um, great communication and we got to a point yesterday where i just we just felt like we all needed a break and some space and so i gave Steph permission uh to get some space and 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 uh and head out and uh and then picked up those conversations after practice um, so let me make it clear, it was, it was not Steph leaving unexcused. He was excused by me.
1: That's weird, right? The I need a break. Like, dude, we're in the off-season. It's June. That's like somebody going on vacation with their family and the husband and wife going like, you know, <laughs> let's just get different rooms on the opposite sides of the resort. Let's, let's just do that. That strikes me as super odd. Yeah, Byron.
4: I've got a theory. Okay. I think the DeMar Hamlin injury brought a lot of emotions out of the Buffalo Bills. And sometimes um, when there is a tragic or traumatic event, uh, it changes the dynamic of things. And I think the Bills were obviously not the same team afterwards. There were a few games, but I, I don't know. I don't know how you could be considering everything that went on that night and what happened, but I also think that stuff that may have been brewing that they could just push aside because they were playing good football now may have been because Diggs and Allen had that very dig-sided altercation when they lost to the Bengals in the divisional playoff game. And I think maybe that stirred some sort of Hey, everything here isn't all hunky-dory. You know, everything isn't all, you know, roses. Why,
1: why, the, why the Hamlin connection, though?
4: You ever have a death in the family and it just kind of, like, frays some things? Like you think oh, yeah. It, Everybody's think on happened. edge. Everyone's on
6: edge. That's what I think People say crazy things.
4: Yes. And I think that maybe there were things that they felt that were always there, but they could put aside because it's football. And then this real life thing happens that affects so many of them, and then it is brings your real feelings to the surface. It is no, there are teammates and athletes that don't get along. That's happened through all the, but to have like this stuff come up, and then to hear this thing and have Josh Allen say, "I got to be better with things," and do you hear? We got to work through some stuff. Their season ended three weeks after Hamlin's injury. So now you've cleaned your hands and you're not even around the team anymore. The last time that Allen and Diggs were probably together is when Diggs was yelling at him against the Bengals. So now you get everybody back together and you have like this sort of thing. I don't know. It's a theory. It's just a theory that because it was so emotional and so heavy that maybe it changed the dynamic of who the Buffalo Bills were.
1: Or, and this maybe adds to your hypothesis more than theory, adds to it, would be... You're probably right, but it probably made a partially frayed relationship even more frayed. Like, I think what really triggered this, like, you just, you get tired of losing in the playoffs, Mm -hmm. right? You're like, again? You know, and remember, they lost in the playoffs to the team in the Bengals that they were going to, they were playing that night when he went down. But it's more, remember, the Bengals went to the Super Bowl the year before. You know, The year before, they had the Chiefs, and that wasn't on Josh Allen. That was on the defense and the decision-making of the coaching staff more than anything, right, when the 13-second drive by the Kansas City Chiefs and the offense didn't even get the ball back in overtime. And I I think it's more—personally, I think it's more like I just— you know, you you get tired of the losing, and you see everyone else who's playing getting all the shine, and like, look, wide receivers are— ego guys. They always have been. Right? I mean the I mean even Andre Johnson who is like the one non ego guy, turns out post career like, yeah, I had a pretty big ego <laughs> as as well with, with, with Houston. The, the the point is that I I think your point is made. I don't necessarily know if it changed the dynamic or as much as it hypersensitized the dynamic and made it, you know, uh you know made the, the desire to win the importance of getting it done now even more timely and then sure. when you fall short and then like look this is what happens when you don't treat things like anybody's going through a a, a relationship that is fractured or ends like what happens is you you go through some sort of trauma okay you, you got to go at that moment to some sort of therapy right and like really kind of work through it just spending time away from each other isn't and you know, they they tell you like spend time to yourself, like, yeah, that doesn't always do the trick. So, either one, this is the process of some sort of therapy, or two, this is an untreated wound that is opened back up because they're back together again. And you know, it we may
4: be past the point of no return. And here's the, the amazing thing about it is DeMar Hamlin is on the practice field, he's taking part in mandatory mini camp. So, DeMar Hamlin is back. And now what is left, like there's no more worry. There's no concern. There's no leftover. He's back. What's left is everything that you said, that you're hypersensitive and the stuff that was strained that you didn't fix when you were four months away from each other. Well,
1: here's the uh, – let me just – let me make a a parallel here and and see if it makes sense to you guys. In 2001, this is the year after I finished up at Oklahoma State, they had a tragic plane crash. Ten members of our basketball family died. A couple of the players uh, passed away as well. And I remember that team was – up until that point, and even after that point in conference play, way better than they were supposed to be because we were not only a, a top 10 team, but we had six scholarships, seven overall seniors that graduated, right? Like, we'd lost a whole bunch. And they they had a couple transfers sitting out, high-level ju- junior college recruits, and they probably overachieved. But I remember they lost to USC in the first round of the NCAA tournament. It was a talented USC team. They had Brandon Granville and uh, Jeff uh Trapanger, who ended up playing in the NBA, really athletic kid. Um, But, and and Sam Clancy, like, that was a good USC team. But I remember reading, I was overseas at the time, reading the quotes, and everybody's just like, we were just exhausted. Just exhausted. All of the, because their first game back, they played Missouri, and they blew the doors off of Missouri, and then they beat Oklahoma, and you're running kind of on this emotion of, uh of this terrible uh, tragedy that took place, right? And I think the same could be said for the bills where when are you at your worst in relationships? It's when you're emotionally and physically exhausted, right? Like it's a real, like when you're really exhausted, like it ain't a good time to pick a fight at home or if somebody is in like, just let it breathe, get a good night's sleep, get a good meal. And then if we got an issue, let's talk through it. You can't really do that in sports. And so I think that, again, we're all coupling all these same hypotheses together in that maybe the relationship wasn't that bad, but it wasn't perfect, wasn't great. And they failed the year before when they had the game won, and that still doesn't sit well with anybody. Uh, and then you have this incredibly tragic moment, which makes you take your own life into account, as well as, you know, one of your compadres. Mm-hmm. And those next couple weeks are just exhausting, exhausting. And so then when you lose, you're, you're just completely out of any sort of emotional juice. And you say some things you shouldn't say. You react in a way you shouldn't say. You shouldn't be. And now, again, we're seeing the carryover from it because they never had any sort of time or ability to treat these wounds. And though you're no longer exhausted, you said things and react in ways which are really hard to take back at this moment.
4: Yeah. I think it's... I. It's just a theory, but I think that there's a lot behind it.
1: Let's we get to okay. real quick. Can we drill down on this? Uh,
6: do can we do the second Sean McDermott? This is
1: McDermott uh, clarifying his. He was very concerned
6: because this was the. This was kind of the start of the whole thing that got the media involved. Were right. these two words right? Very concerned, and so he, he tried to clean it up yesterday.
10: Whenever a player has something going on or misses for not misses, but he's not here for some reason, I am concerned. That's that's my. My sentiment with any player, in particular a player as important to us as Steph. And so uh, I get concerned when players miss for reasons off the field, for reasons on the field, whether it be uh, they're injured or whatever it is, um, that's just how I am. So when I say very concerned, I'm very concerned uh, because it's a situation with one of our uh, players and it was something that we needed to work through.
6: It, it sounds like he's completely full of crap. And I know, he is you know completely full of crap. You know what it reminds me of? Yeah. Remember that scene from Fletch when he goes into the doctor? Yeah. Uh, you know, the whole Moon. fist talk. Uh, Moon River. Yeah. The, um, and then he's just kind of BSing that about this couple that he knows. And he's talking about this guy. And, then, and, and, and he's like, yeah, well, you know, the end was very sudden. And the doctor's like, well, oh, he was dying for years yeah but the very end the end <laughs> was very sudden that, that's what it reminds me of when McDermotts trying to talk his way through that oh
1: he was telling completely, because because you can't couple that with the hey, this is all good you know he we need to take some time away with the way well, you were very concerned right you know? it 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 actually reminds me of uh, uh a few good men right was he in danger? do you remember that part when when uh, Nathan Jessup was on the stand and um, he, he said, like, look, if if no one did anything without your approval, then why was he in danger? Didn't make any sort of sense. Right? Um, and are we clear? Crystal. Right. So I, that that's what it reminded me of. Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from three to five Eastern twelve to 2 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Listen, I'm going to try to be the least full of crap person you're going to hear on, on radio and on television. Nobody cares that Oakland's leave, losing the team. You've had 20 years to figure out the stadium thing. The stadium's a dump, okay? Of course it would be something where you'd have to come out of pocket. I know land's crazy expensive. You never figured it out, and you lost a team. Okay? And every... Every city that has lost a team, ever, it has come down to one thing. You haven't found a way to build the stadium. That's it. Tell me the team in modern history that, that the St. Louis Rams, right? St. Louis Rams, they lost to L.A. Granted, obviously the league wanted to push to get two, a team or two in the L.A. market. But you made it possible because when they needed a stadium with a team-friendly deal where you built it, you, you didn't do it. You didn't do it. San Diego. Don't have a team. Why? You come, well, we wanted to built it, it right next to Qualcomm. Well, they didn't want it there. They wanted it downtown. right? And they said very specifically, we want it downtown. And oh, yeah, by the way, you didn't improve it because it was going to the, the, uh, said, oh, we're going to pay for it. No, you weren't. It was going to be paid for by rental cars. In other words, people who are visiting San Diego, not people who live in San Diego. Couldn't get it done. Lost your team. Same reason the Raiders lost, the, the, uh, the L.A. lost the Raiders. They were supposed to fix the Coliseum. They never fixed the Coliseum, and they lost them to Oakland because Oakland would redo their Coliseum. It's the same thing. Nobody feels sympathy for you. You lost three teams now in the last five years. It, it, it can't all possibly be baseball, the current owners, some nefarious everybody against Oakland. Oakland does not have a lot of money. Land is expensive. It is politically a complete nightmare to build and do anything. And, like, oh, yeah, by the way, I mean, hey, I'll, I'll be the one that says it. Tesla was the Fremont plant in Tesla. Anybody's ever, it was all started right there. If you notice, they built that gigantic gigawatt, whatever, factory outside of Las Vegas. Why? Because they gave him all kinds of tax incentives to move everything there. That's the way it works. If you don't bend over backwards for all these billion-dollar corporations, you lose it. You lose the corporation, you lose the team. I didn't make the rules. I'm just an outside purveyor of the truth. Sorry, go ahead, Dan.
4: No, I was just going to say, is it bend over backwards or just bend over? Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay? I mean, yeah. look, you know it in
1: Seattle, right? They couldn't figure out how to build an arena for the, for the Supersonics. I, granted, you had an owner from Oklahoma City, and he always to, wanted to kind of find a way, but you made it easy for him. And you know what? They still—I know they've redone Key Arena, but they still never built built an arena. Hmm. (laughs) And oh yeah, by the way, had they been able—if you remember when that deal was done—had they been able to build an arena within like the first five years, like they would have gotten team and would have gotten a ton of money from Clay Bennett. They couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. And why have they gotten to keep the Mariners and keep the Seahawks? Because they built new buildings. Sorry, that's just the way the business works. And if you want to deny that, feel free, but go and track, since I've been on this earth, okay, in 47 years, I can tell you that's why the Rams left L.A., that's why the Raiders left L.A., that's why the Chargers left San Diego, that's why the Rams left St. Louis, that's why the Supersonics left, like, it's all the same thing, and unfortunately... It sometimes it's too late. You build the arena. We build it. They will come Kansas city, the sprint center, whatever it's called now, T-Mobile. It's a great arena. Power light district is awesome. They don't have a team. They'd love to have a team. Okay. But it took them forever after they lost the Kings who moved to Sacramento. And then the Kings nearly left Sacramento. Why? They didn't have a new arena. Do you know what the Kings have now? A brand new arena. Like these things, this is not that hard. And we, we get really wrapped up emotionally and blame people and decisions and whatever when the reality is you got a team, just feel fortunate, build a new arena. And I swear to you, like every one of these new arenas that have all of these different entertainment districts, they all find a way to make it work and do really, really well. It costs a lot of money up front. It feels like your city's always paying through the nose. But you know what? Anyone who's got one will tell you we're so much better since we built one. Soapbox. Over. This uh, show is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at progressive.com. Coming up next to the Doug Gottlieb Show, we're live at the dot studios here at the U.S. Open. Who is your favorite athlete you want to win a title but didn't? Let's discuss that next.
0: You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
7: I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley
8: Shows show is brought to
1: you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save. Progressive.com. Let's get to a game.
4: Game time!
1: This is game time.
4: It's game
8: time. On the Doug Gottlieb Show.
1: Dan Beyer at uh, five. Excuse me, four fifty in Seoul, Korea. Um
4: <laughs> yes, that's correct. What do you got? Uh Doug, the game today is
1: <sighs> I feel a
4: draft. Uh, Eight fifty in London, uh as we speak. Yes, it is I feel a draft. Five person draft today that's gonna take one round. Doug, you have the first overall pick as yeah. we draft the favorite athlete you wanted to win a title but never did. This on the heels of Ricky Fowler currently leading the U.S. Open. He was in the topic of conversation of best player to never have won a major and then kind of dropped out of that conversation, not because he won a major, but because he hasn't been playing that well. Doug, you're first. Jason Stewart is second. John Ramos will pick third. Monty Bolaños, who's at the news desk uh, at our Fox Sports Radio headquarters, picks fourth, and I will pick last in this draft. Mm, this is a tough call. There's
1: one current and one former. Let's go. Former Dan Marino. Mm. Wait a
6: minute! Are you kidding me right now? What? Of all the athletes in the entire world, you, have to pick, the you man? had to pick the guy that I grew up idolizing. Like everybody of grew up all Dan the athletes, just completely stole
1: my pick. His nickname was the Man. There's only two Amazing. guys that were the Man.
4: He was one of them. He was. Dan Marino is off the board. Jason I can't Stewart. This,
1: I would have traded if I. I
6: mean, of <laughs> all the athletes in all the places in the world, um, do you know who my other pick was? I
4: said
6: it was a current. No, uh-huh. uh, Dan. Do you want to
4: trade my spot? Um, <laughs> uh, Monty, do you want to trade? I, I am good. Who, where who I wants am. my second spot, Monty? Because now Cause we There's think only one, one round, so yeah. you <laughs> just took just, yeah. take, just take a pick.
5: I'll go.
2: Okay, okay Monty.
4: Oh, Moncie has traded up to number two. Thank you yeah, I'll go. Me. I'll
5: go. I actually have a lot, so I'm going to go with a former, um, <laughs> Allen Iverson.
4: Oh, good choice,
5: Allen Iverson.
4: I like that. Of course, he never should have been in the finals anyway. The hey, Buffs hey,
8: hey, hey.
4: Two Didn't play defense, didn't like to practice.
8: <laughs> that's it. I'm done. I'm leaving.
4: <laughs> John Ramos, you are third.
8: There I am. I am going to take Tony Gwynn. I think oh, Tony Gwynn.
6: Gwynn. I like that go one. Yeah. Yep. Tony Gwynn, number three. I love Tony Gwynn. I have, who doesn't I really do. Um, I'm going to go with my guy, Charles Barkley. Can I just yeah. go Charles Barkley? Yeah. How's your guy? <laughs> Did you know that he never won a title? Or did it me
1: just saying that remind you that uh, he's Shaq has probably said it once a week <laughs> since he's been on the show?
4: Fire! Um, yeah, the final pick. This is what I didn't want to trade up because I knew nobody would take him. Uh oh. 2009 Masters, Kenny Perry. Uh, birdie, Terrible shirt. Birdie 16. <laughs> For some reason, I was so invested in Kenny Perry. Yeah, I think a lot of people had a two-shot lead, then went bogey, bogey, <laughs> fell into a playoff with Chad Campbell and Angel Cabrera, who's now in a jail in South America, and. Uh, Kenny Perry uh, was unable to complete that, lost on the second playoff hole to Cabrera. Uh, the 2009 Kenny Perry scars are still real. Wow, that is an upset. And that's, yeah. that's game that time. Was of that one. That's well, game
6: time. John huh? was going to. John was
1: like Tony Gwynn or Kenny Perry God
4: in God the 2000s. Kenny, Kenny, why
1: Perry. Was, why is he in a why is he in a, a jail cell?
4: I, I think domestic abuse. Yeah, good, good threats
1: domestic abuse that guy can stay in that jail cell for a long long time all right coming up next um how we see athletes is not how they see themselves not at all don't believe me wait till you hear what one high level athlete thinks the legacy that he leaves will be that's next the Doug Gottlieb show